You're listening to The Making Of, a podcast by the band Gates. In this episode, we chronicle the creation of The Sun Will Rise and Lead Me Home, which took shape during the band's formative first years, was finalized alongside our lineup, and was released on January 25th, 2011. You'll hear various demos, rehearsal recordings, and stems as we discuss how the album was written and recorded. My name is Mike Moroni. I play bass. My name is Dan King. I play guitar. I remember we met at like Hamilton Street Cafe and our buddy Corey Perez brought out uh, Mike to one of our shows. So that's how we met. Uh, maybe like a year or so later, maybe even months later, and we started playing in like a, a pop punk band. So me, Justin Link and Alex Link wrote some stuff. Alex Link was like, yo, we should get our friend Corey to play. I met Corey. He picked me up from class and he was like playing Saves the Day in his car. And I was like, all right, cool. A week later, Alex was like, yo, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> Corey was like, yo, we should get my friend King to play guitar. And so then, yeah, I was like, all right, yeah, he's he's cool. Yeah, bring him over. Played a handful of shows, like recorded two songs, but I think we wrote like seven or eight or right. something. But the entire existence of that band was maybe four months. I remember like me and Mike were still meeting up, kind of trying to figure out like what we wanted to do. We knew we still wanted to like play music. We did do kind of like a demo track in Mike's basement, just me and him. And uh, it was that track Waldo. And that was cool because it was just us like in garage band kind of just coming up with stuff on the fly and you could hear the progression into that style of music and then we started bears and bright lights so a little bit after take nothing alex link was like hey we should go join this band with zach west when that was done me and zach were interested in starting something up and i was like yeah like let's get king involved and then you know we figured out like what we kind of wanted to sound like but it was very in the vein of like the demos we were already doing together. Zach brought his friend to play drums and then... That lineup only really existed for a few months. We recorded an EP, but you know, a few months down the line, like some changes were being made. Yeah, then we ended up playing with Dan Crappenzano. Hey, I'm Dan Crappenzano. I played drums in the band Gates. In my old, old band, my high school band, Mike took a lot of photos for all the bands and like the local scene. That's how I met him. When I went to the next band, he came to the studio with us in Portland when we recorded. So what happened was Gates, who at the time was Bears and Bright Lights, their drummer had left or they just needed someone to fill in for a few shows. And I was friends with Mike and he was like, yo, you want to play a show or two? I was like, yeah, why not? And then I think they, they parted ways with him. And they were like, well, we need a drummer. So you want to like play in the band? And I said, uh, well, yeah, sure. You know, it's it's going to be like, just so you know, it'll be a thing on the side. At that point, it was me, Mike Maroney, Dan King, and Zach, Zach West, who sang and played guitar. Zach brought over Ethan at one point because he, he just randomly met him at the marshals that he was working in. And I mean, he's, you know, he was great right off the bat. Like it was like, all right, yeah, we got to play with this guy. Ethan Kuzer, I play guitar in Gates. I played in Lydia 
And that was like the day of Tumblr. So Zach followed Lydia and followed me. He saw on my Tumblr that I had been posting pictures from New Jersey. So he kind of put two and two together. He just hit me up and was like, hey, I saw you moved to the area. Like, if you want to get together, would love to like have you hang, play with the band, whatever. Zach had sent me two or three tracks kind of explaining a different direction they were trying to go in. The songs that I sent back and recorded on top of, I definitely went like the full nine. I was like, oh, you kind of like my style? <laughs> Let me like go way overboard to show you what I'm capable of doing. Ethan to me has like a very like characteristic way of playing all these crazy alternate tunings and just like super melodic. Yeah, he definitely had a different approach from any musician that I've played with up to that point. For someone that grew up in like the New Jersey scene and only played with New Jersey musicians, it was pretty crazy hearing this other guy with all these different influences that I wasn't really even that familiar with at the time. I hadn't heard of any of the bands, Danking or Mike were listening to and they weren't super familiar with the bands that I listened to. It was never a, con a conversation or like a contrived move to combine them, but it was like, we're creating a band that we've never heard. That's what got us excited. He just had like a different perspective on playing. Right off the bat, I was like, wow, he's really good. And not only that, I'm just really interested in like the melodies he's bringing to the table. And it was kind of the stuff we were trying to do anyway. And I think we had like-minded ideas that kind of converged in this band. We played in I really liked our drummer Dan's playing and he was like super solid. I had never been in a band with tapping before. So like King was kind of the first time I had been in the same room with that. To be surrounded with Mike who from day one was like talking about designs. There was always like artistic things happening and it was so cool and it like made you drunk being around it. And I guess with everybody being strangers too at that point, it was like even cooler. I hadn't really surrounded myself with people that were that talented or talented in, in a way that I wasn't used to. We already had definitely like a couple songs written. I'd say like a set's worth. Right? Yeah, I mean, pretty much. Yeah, it was, it was always just a set's worth of music. You know? <laughs> Walls is a good example. That idea goes like pretty far back, honestly. Like it wasn't really played right away in Bears and Bright Lights. I remember being in my parents' basement, like showing Zach the one riff, like the the only original riff from that original song idea was the transition part, like, dun, 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 you know, that, yeah. that like transitional part. And, but somehow that became like the only part that got carried over. The original drummer of Bears, he really liked the uh, rhythm guitar part in the intro. And I remember he was even suggesting like, hey, when you go to that second chord, try doing like a little run in there, which I, I still actually do. It's kind of inaudible with everything that's going on, but like I'm still actually playing the part. The drummer was like, hey, try this, you know? I remember writing the chorus of Walls on guitar. 
That part for me is it's just like just walking down the fretboard. So I didn't know if it was cool, but it was like an option. And I remember everybody thought it was cool. I had just gotten a computer, so I had just started being able to record. So that was exciting. And then you'd go home and like you were excited. So you just kind of worked on things. And at that point, yeah, we had two or three songs to work on. So it was <laughs> pretty simple. I feel like, yeah. So Walls was probably the earliest song that's still a gate song. Engine's probably the second oldest. We tried to write that song so many times. There was an, an entirely different song that there's just the one part that is still there. Because I think when we started writing that, it was like, I picked up the Eric Clapton Strat. And oh we were yeah, playing you, three yeah, that's right. You were playing that uh, original guitar part, that's yeah. right. part where like the drums really come in and everything kind of comes together. We were trying out a couple different beats and nothing was really working. And then Dan just tried like this, like sort of Latin style beat. And it was like, oh yeah, this is, this is what you got to do, you know? So like we kind of built like rhythmically, I think we kind of built the song around that sort of approach. I was definitely on like a Latin kick for sure, because I use that beat in a few songs, or, or like that, you know, that, that feel, whatever. Do I remember how I came up with it? No. It was just a, a great big dicking around for me. And that was like the first time I was kind of playing guitar with Ethan, where it's like, hey, let's write these parts together, rather than him coming in and playing over a pre-existing song. There were a couple parts, like the second verse or whatever you would call it. Ethan had this weird off time part that I couldn't even figure out the timing of it, but I would just kind of write to what I think he was doing, sort of. That part is really cool. Like, I think like you could clearly tell that like me, Mike and Ethan were like, just like listening to Taken like a shit ton. So I remember in the morning being exciting because I, I felt like more than just playing a guitar part, I was like incorporating all these things. And I, yeah, like seeing Dan and Mike hit lights while I'm doing this at the same time, like stomping on these pedals and they're hitting lights and what, it was just like, that song for me, is, it was really cool. Yeah, from the start, we were incorporating lights. Like we were doing it in bears and from day one of Gates, we were doing lights. Mm -hmm. Like it was never not a part of it really it's just like an on off switch that you use for like a christmas tree or something yeah we yeah. just like step on it like it's a guitar pedal yeah it was know? it was a very low tech design but it's perfect for what we were doing it was just a little added production value to what would just be basically a punk band playing in a basement you right know what I mean? <laughs> exactly so I th we played one show with that lineup as bears and bright lights uh, it was kind of a discussion like yeah, this is going to be the last show as Bears. It was the first show as Gates and the final show as Bears and Bright Lights. I forget how we did that exactly. Like it was an unveiling. I don't know. 
I would be interested to see that flyer because I don't remember what, what name was on it. It wasn't really like we were setting out to be like, okay, this is going to be our last show. Like it just mm-hmm. was like, okay, yeah, we'll play this show and then we're going to change our name. It was definitely after our first show. So at that point it was so new. We were hearing some things for, like for the first time. The form in which it existed when we played it live, we weren't thrilled about it. At one point we parted ways with Zach, who's our good friend still to this day. Um, but I think that was one of the things where just stylistically the views didn't like line up. We were playing without a singer for a while and we toyed with the idea of being instrumental. I guess Burned Us Alive would be like the first track where the four of us kind of made it on our own and we recorded a video of it and toss it online, you know, kind of trying to figure out what we were, <laughs> what we were trying to do. It just in general, like, were we instrumental? Were we like looking for a singer? Ethan had a connection with AbsolutePunk.net, and for whatever reason, they were willing to put our video where it's like, hey, we're four guys that play music. Do you want to join our band? And it went up on this like punk news website. I think the absolute punk post just kind of came about just with visibility. Like even if we didn't find a singer, it's like, this is a band. We got excited on the idea of there being another instrument. We just wanted more melody. I feel like I remember a time when we were even talking about like two bass players or something. Like it, it was just always a conversation of like, what else? We knew that we didn't want like a front man. That was always that like, it wasn't an option, which is why we enjoyed your, your like your tryout piece for Burned Us Alive. My name is Kevin Dye. I sing and play guitar in Gates. I was living upstate in Kingston, New York, working at a recording studio. I was up there for, I think, eight months, and I had no one to talk to except for the head engineer at the studio and the assistant there. Uh, I pretty much went back to my apartment every day and just messed around in Pro Tools. My best friend sent me a link to a post on the website absolutepunk.net. I was really hesitant to send anything because I had never really sang before. I did some backup in my old band, but my best friend was the singer in all of my bands up to that point. He convinced me that I had a good enough voice and a good enough sense of songwriting and that I should give it a shot. And I, I, you know, emailed them. They sent me two songs, so I just sang over the second half of Dan's Microwave, which was ended up being Burned Us Alive. I think I did the whole thing in like three hours, but it's very much like an overdone thing. It's just as much as I could put on it to make myself sound awesome. Dueling harmonies that are panned out in the chorus. There's a gang vocal in the outro. There's just a lot of production elements to it. The 
vision and like the production, just the treatment of it. It was like, wow, this is really engaging and it fits the song. Which guy was that? Kevin? Yeah, let's let's definitely get him down here. <laughs> That's pretty close to what this ended up being on the actual song. I think Ethan called me that day. It was pretty quick. He sounded really more impressed than I expected. I remember specifically, though, he asked me if I had a, like a flying V or some shit. Yeah, I had a I had like an offhand, just like a dick comment about like your gear. We we knew what we didn't want. I mean, imagine. I remember getting to the practice space and they played Dan's microwave, burned us alive, and they played what would become a vague ambition. And they're like, "Well, those are our two songs." And I was like, "Okay, cool." Is there? anything else that you have. I remember them looking at each other and kind of groaning and being like, well, I guess we could play walls. They had these lights plugged in already that they nailed on the one that just blast you in the face. I'm just sitting there watching them play through this song. That was the moment I was like, I have to be in this band. Yeah. So we practiced and it, it went well and it was cool and we hung out. And then afterward we went swimming. We went to a pool party, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I also love how it started with a pool party and that's still like one of our favorite like pastimes like oh, in the yeah. summer you know we go to Dan's like dad's like pool it's like it's incredible yeah. <laughs> we're still doing the same shit right off the bat we were all on the same page there really wasn't a discussion of like what we're gonna do it was just like alright let's just start playing and it just kind of came together pretty seamlessly Sleepwalker was the first thing that, you know, I was there for like the entire creation of the song. We were working on what ended up being the second part of the song. And it's just us playing that over and over The climbing progression. Right. As I remember, it was kind of one of those parts where we just started playing a rotation and it just came together so organically. We almost had these like ideas in place that just happened to line up with each other. So then at one point we all get together full band, we're playing the song, we get a chorus we really like, but the verse, the second verse we came up with was kind of lacking. And it kind of played the progression from the chorus again, but it, it just wasn't that special to us, it wasn't feeling that great. So I think the next week we were like, hey, let's try 5-4 for some reason. Because it's the same melodies going on, but like switching up the groove kind of gave it like an interesting feel, just like changing the perspective on it slightly. And we had a really cool staccato version of the intro that felt really heavy. But it didn't really flow out of the 5-4 verse as well as we wanted it to. So then the next time we jammed it, we thought, well, why don't we just go back into three before that part? the same timbre as the verse and see what happens with that. And we really liked the way that sounded. So then we just needed to figure out how to end it. We had this part that I had demoed that was this big kind of post-rocky part. It was like this very like meat heady kind of 
classic loud part. And we played it like that on one demo. And then I think we all came back. We're like, it just, it's not really that cool. We need to kind of build into it. And so then we wrote that whole build part where it gets really quiet and it builds up to the end. And I remember I was like, so then, yeah, then we're going to go into that part, right? We're going to go into that really loud part. I remember Mike just being like, what if we just stopped? And we played it and it was like, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I mean, even then we were like, we were thinking in terms of sets and stuff, you know? So like the idea to end it very well might have been like, how do we transition to the next song live? We always were focused on making a really cool set. So we needed a way to start the set. And so I guess Ethan had a little riff. It was just the boom, bam, boom, boom, boom. Like that was the oh, only thing yeah. I had. Which is funny because I what I play there is just notes from Sleepwalker. And then we just came up with this, this quick little thing we called intro for a very long time that ended up on the record. It was only two to three months tops between the time that I joined the band and we started recording what would become The Sun Will Rise. I just remember being in the basement with a box of sangria and just like recording. I don't really remember there ever being much discussion or anything. We set up our gear that we played live normally with the tones we always used. We were ready to have music, so we just did it. So I was fresh out of working at Lee Von Helm Studio in Woodstock, New York. I wanted to apply the skills that I had learned there. But I went from working at this beautiful all-wood studio with amazing vintage gear to recording on my Digi002 rack, which is, for anyone who knows, a complete piece of shit gear. Most of... The drum sound is just a room mic that was on the balcony of Mike's foyer. Really, if I wanted to do something interesting or creative production-wise, there just wasn't even an option to do it. I remember I had basically just finished the ideas for the lyrics and the melodies, and then we would record them in my Brooklyn apartment. Mike would engineer, and I would just sing in my bedroom straight into my open closet to reduce reflections. And we did it at like a very reasonable but quick pace like we didn't drag our feet so i think it, it still kept like that fun it's like yo do you want to record today it's like sure i think across the board it was just like an honest expression artistically and we literally recorded that like in the basement the practice space and like that was all part of the process like we were doing it ourselves and doing it by hand and like it sounds like that and i think that's why it kind of has such an impact i mixed the entire thing as quickly as we recorded it. I don't want to say there wasn't a lot of thought put into it because I think there was a, a ton of thought put into it, but we just only could do so much. I mean, almost everything was performed in a single take. There was, if we messed up, we just started again. And I think because of that, it's just a nice representation of what we were at the time. That's what I think a record should be ultimately anyway. It's my favorite in terms of flow. 
uh, with all the found sounds and the just the interludes. And like at that point, we were too, like we were talking about getting subway noises. We were talking about like just a lot of cool sounds, like found sounds, because even then we knew we wanted interludes and, and things involved in the record. I remember we wanted to start the album with a vague ambition, but it just kind of started immediately. And we wanted just a few seconds of something before it began. Yeah, I remember that decision where we were like, okay, this is how the song's going to start, but it's not going to start at one second. Right. It's going to start with a little bit of noise and then start <laughs> that, that's so gates right yep. there i had just gotten an interface just like a one channel m audio the cheapest thing you could get i was so excited and i stuck an sm58 in between the rocks outside of convention hall in asbury with my laptop and interface just out on this like jetty on like a freezing winter day and that was the like happened to be the beginning of the record. I think at some point in the recording, you get hit by a wave. A vague ambition. I actually wrote the lyrics on that same beach. I think that was a lot of the reason why we thought that it might be cool to start the record with it. And then, of course, as the end of Sleepwalker fades out, you hear those waves again to close the record off. All these songs just kind of created the archetype for the band, not only in terms of songwriting, but also visually. We were also creating interesting artwork in this era that kind of still carries over to this day, putting our creative touches on every aspect of it. The screen printed CDs at Montclair State University, utilizing the, the printmaking lab because I was taking classes there. We did that overnight. And yeah. then the following morning, kids were coming in to the classroom like to start their class. <laughs> and we're like, like 8 a.m. woodcutting. We're, like, <laughs> we're like, oh, sh all right. Yeah, let's just like pack up our stuff and leave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember I just wanted to be a part of that. A lot of those trailers and the videos, too. And I think like it was just a very realized vision. It's always just been an art project for all of us. And I think it still very much is. And if anything, it's it's getting back to the roots even more than it was before. So the album just holds a special place in our hearts because of that, you know? That was the first fully realized project that we had made. And I think we kind of set the bar for ourselves. Cause at that point we were all still super new friends. So it just seemed like for some reason it never lost its fresh, its fresh feeling. Definitely it was a really cool time in my life that I felt like I had really stumbled into something that made me feel like I belong. Knowing how much I felt like we continued to improve as we went on as a band, like it's still really surprising to me, but in the best way possible that like people loved that album. The Sun Will Rise and Lead Me Home is available for listening on all major streaming services. For a free download of the entire EP, visit thesunwillriseandleadmehome.com. For information on upcoming tour dates, music releases, and more, visit gatesnj.com and subscribe to our email list or follow us on Instagram at gatesmusic. This podcast was produced, edited, and mixed by Kevin Dye. Thank you for listening.